live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Joey fan, I mean, how you living? Normally when I ask that question, Philly, how you living? It's because something good happened. Normally when I say, how y'all living? It's because I know the answer. Normally it's a setup for a positive response, a happy response, an enthusiastic response, a we're living great Rome response. We're still hungover Rome response. Hell, Rome, we're still drunk response. That's not why I'm asking. How are y'all living? Because it's not after a big win or something positive. No, th- this is more of a wellness check. Like I'm sending somebody over to knock on your door to make sure you're still living. How y'all living? I'm guessing your heart rate, has it come down yet? Has the adrenaline stopped pumping through you yet? Anybody manage to get any sleep yet? Because damn, that was one pretty intense night at the yard. Like, did I or did I not warn y'all there would be some serious butthole puckering? Butthole. 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 Puckering. I said it yesterday before the game. There was always going to be some butt clenching. And last night was essentially nine innings of puckering and clenching. Made your butthole pucker up. Did make your butthole pucker up, didn't it, Philly? Unfortunately for you, it never unpuckered. The release never came. Philly fan never got that relief. You know why? Philly fan never got that relief because, frankly, Philly fan never gets relief. And now Philly fan and Philly player are facing a 3-2 deficit and a series that is shifting back to H-Town, and suddenly it feels all bad. Philly fan was gripping right from the very jump, Right from the very first batter, Altuve put one on the wall, off the wall, to lead off that game, and then he wound up on third. Jeremy Pena then singled him in, and it was officially pucker o'clock. Pucker time. And pucker time did not end until Ryan Presley recorded the final out of a five-out save. Let's go back to Jeremy Pena for a moment, because this dude does deserve a shout. He's not just a rookie showing out in his first postseason. He's arguably been their best player on the best team in the postseason. Remember when losing Carlos Correa to the Twins was supposed to be hurt like a terrible, terrible thing? Yeah, well, all that did was give Houston another opportunity to unleash another stud at shortstop. And that stud shortstop was not done with that RBI knock in the first. He came back around, and he put the Strohs ahead for good in the fourth. With an exclamation. Instead of fly ball to left, it sends Schwarber back onto the track. At the wall, Payne has done it again. He's given the Astros a 2-1 lead in game five. So, Justin Verlander made that Houston pen, or he and the pen, made that lead stand up. Which, incredibly enough, and this is one of the strangest things in the history of baseball, that's his first career World Series dub. This guy's had an amazing 17-year Hall of Fame career. This is now the fifth World Series that he's pitched in. Last night was his ninth World Series start. And it took him, Alvin, it took him until last night to finally get a win. 
Like, as great as this guy is, it's amazing how much he has skated on this. You think about how much everybody has piled on Clayton Kershaw for his performances in the postseason. Meanwhile, Verlander has been straight ass in the World Series, going all the way back to 06. He's actually allowed more home runs than any other pitcher in the history of the World Series. Do you know that? And yet, pretty much, effectively, essentially, skates. But none of it mattered last night because he did toss five innings of one-run ball. Got the job done. And then he got it to his pen, and we know how filthy and dirty that pen is. So, he got his job done. The pen did its job. And to be fair, the pen got a gigantic assist, too. In a gigantic spot, bottom of the ninth, one out. Houston holding on to that one-run lead. TJ, Riomuto, JT, I should say. Jungle dyslexia. JT drives one to deep right center. Then Chas McCormick reaches up and reaches into Philly fans' chest and rips their heart right out. Fly ball right center field. McCormick on the move. He's at the track. He's at the wall. Makes the grab. Chas McCormick. Two gone in the ninth. Oh, epic play. Epically devastating moment for a ballpark filled with fanatics who were ready to explode. Philly fans' reaction can best be summed up by Philly players' reaction. In Houston, of all places, because it was the Eagles who were watching in their locker room after they got done beating the Texans. And why do I feel like that win was a loss? More on that later on. Their reaction was all of Philadelphia's reaction. That was the Eagles' reaction to what happened to Philadelphia, the Phillies. So as cruel as that was, it gets even worse, right, for Philly fan because, and you know this already, Philly fan, not to dump more salt into your wound, you already know this, but not everybody does. Chaz McCormick, Chaz McCormick is a Philly fan. He is one of them. He grew up in Westchester, PA, about a half hour from Citizens Bank Park. He grew up a Phillies fan. He grew up rocking a Ryan Howard jersey. He grew up dreaming about making World Series changing plays in that ballpark. And that's exactly what he did. Except he did it for the other team. Which makes it all the more sickening. Doesn't it, Philly fan? I mean, I know that you're used to this bleep. I know this kind of is your entire ordeal, your deal, but damn, the last 48 hours have been brutal. It looked for a second like this was going to be the best 48 hours in the long history of the city. As I mentioned, I was looking at flights. I was going to bring bags, bags to bag up horse poop with. 
bring the best bread. I was all about it. I was getting in reps. I was letting Alvin throw Grey Goose bottles off my head. I was practicing getting up greased up lampposts. I was ready, but then I knew. I knew those 48 hours were going to be key. 48 hours of torture. One giant 48-hour period of butthole puckering with no relief. Plenty of butthole puckering and not a single light pole to climb. No battery to chuck. No horse pie sander to slam. No fun at all. Now, they're still alive. Technically. Technically. But there is no relief in sight because now they've got to go to H-Town and they've got to win two in a row. Now they've got to show a lot more grit, a lot more heart, a lot more juice than they've shown in the last two games to get this done. I think the only hope really If, in fact, there is hope, and if it sounds like I'm giving up hope, it's because I'm giving up hope. But we're not dead yet. Not dead can't quit. Not dead can't quit. I still have a butthole, and it still puckers. Butthole. 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 Pucker. Where I would start is by getting the world's greatest heckler on a plane. Sending this cat to Houston because right now they need all the help that they can get. And I would start with this legend. Terrible swamp ass before every start. McCullers, Hoskins got with your girlfriend in high school twice. That is getting smoked. How much sticky stuff's in that hair? I know there's something in that lettuce. Don't even get me started on you. Valdez, what's in your glove? What the hell's in your glove? Show me the old speed. My grandma could have rocked that. You need to figure it out. I haven't seen a strike yet. Billy's money line. Billy's money line is free tonight. I don't know. Like, that just does not hit me the same way. It does not hit the same way. Like, I still like it. But that does not hit now the way it hit when they were up two games to one. That seems like a year ago, not two days ago. That seems like a lifetime ago. Say, small business owners, listen up. You may have overpaid on your payroll taxes during COVID. Now, for years, big businesses have benefited from government tax credits. Now it is your turn to reap the benefits. If you employed five to 500 employees and you paid payroll taxes during COVID, you may be eligible for an employee tax credit refund of up to $26,000 per employee. To find out if you do qualify, call Omega Accounting Solutions right now. Trusted advisors and champions for America's small businesses. Omega has perfected a turnkey ERC process. So much so, they can tell you if you qualify for the ERC in 10 minutes or less. It's a quick and easy, painless process. Omega is highly rated by the Better Business Bureau and tax experts alike. In fact, tax advisors even turn to Omega for ERC advice. 
And since this exclusive tax credit will not be around forever, you want to make sure you pick up the phone and chat with a seasoned advisor. It's not too late to file. Get the money that the government owes you before the filing window closes or funds run out. Talk to an Omega expert right now by calling 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com. That hit a lot differently when he and they had their boot on Houston's throat. And don't we know that about the Astros? Hate them all you want. But if you've got your hands around their throat, or you have your boot on their throat, you sure as hell better choke them out. Or this is what happens. You go from being up two games to one, and in position to finish, to being down three games to two, and now they've got their hands wrapped around your throat. Now... It feels like it's already over. I hate to say it. It feels like it's already over. I can't even believe that. I cannot believe how dramatically this whole thing flipped. But that's how good the Astros are. They've been here before. They know what to do. They know how to react. They weren't afraid. One of the few groups or people who were not afraid of Philly fan. Unbelievable. So now the good news is, and I'm looking for good news. I'm looking for good news. Maybe, maybe this. The good news is, no more talk about Philly fan means no more SJP emails. Good song. Great show. You know you had a few thousand of them locked and loaded about Sarah getting on a plane and leaving Pennsylvania because her services were no longer required for any Philly celebration. I guarantee she doesn't even know that the World Series is taking place right now. It doesn't make any sense. And no, John Elway has got plenty to worry about. Thank you to John Elway. With his team. He didn't have any time in his schedule to render any special services for Philly fan either. Philly fan, still love you, still respect you, but there are aspects that are kind of gross. I don't know how I got caught up in that. I really did. I really thought that I was going to eat a horse pie sando with you. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right, a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light. It is easy to use. It works without a power source. You don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. 
Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. We are joined by Javon Holland. Javon, great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good, man. Great to be here. So Dude, great to be here. It is great to have you here, sincerely. Listen, I know you're locked in on Chicago, but if I could get you to go back to Detroit for a minute, that win over the Lions, you played a big part in that game. You're down double digits on the road. What's it say about your team that nobody flinched, nobody pointed the finger, and you found a way to get out of there with a big come-from-behind win? Man, it's a, it's a bend-but-don't-break mentality. Um, our, our team is built on that. Our guys in the rooms are built on that, and that's how we prepare. Um, we knew that uh, the Lions are a good team and uh, they have, you know, weapons that they took advantage of. But as long as we, you know, stayed on our keys, you know, focused on what our game plan was, we were able to, you know, come out and pull out the W. You see that uh, goose egg in the, in the second half. That's what, you know, we were shooting for when we went to the locker room. No matter what happened before, long we can only focus on the next play. So uh, that's all we did in the locker room and came out and, and got it done. All right. So if somebody's listening right now, they could already tell you have a certain kind of energy. You're just two years in, but you're already playing at a very, very high level. It would seem to me if you're two years in, you're trying to slow things down and probably you've already done that. But do you feel like other guys key and feed off of that energy? And is that part of your job? Do you approach it that way? Yeah, I would like to think so. Um, I, you know, my mentality is kind of no one does, if no one else does it, uh, why not me? And so that's how I approach the game. That's how I approach my, um, you know, my mentality uh, day in and day out. And um, you know, that's just my focus. I can focus on my job and then I can help my team win. Um, so you know, keeping that keeping that calm mentality, uh, making sure that everybody understands that you know, as long as we take advantage of the next play, we can you know we can make shit change. Um, that's my that's my focus. Javon Holland is joining us. I kind of want to jump around both sides of the ball because that comeback win was a total team effort. A lot of it came down to your quarterback, Tua. Now, we know how much adversity Tua has dealt with this season. How much respect do you have for your quarterback who has taken some massive hits but not only has bounced back, not only hangs in tough in the pocket, but he takes big hits and he makes big-time throws and plays? Mad respect for him. Mad respect. Seeing him evolve – um, into the player that he is today. I, I've seen the process through OTA, through off-season training, and now into the season. Uh, it's, it's, it feels great. I, I'm, I'm more excited than, than I have been, you know, watching a, watching a, quarterback, a quarterback of mine play. Um, Tua is a great, a great competitor, a great guy, and, you know, he displays that on the field, off the field. Uh, I'm super excited for him and how he's, how he's out there balling. All right, so defensively, the defense already had a number of playmakers, but then you add a Pro Bowl linebacker in Bradley Chubb. He comes over to that deal before the trade deadline. They believed enough in him that they gave him the bag, signed him to a $110 million contract extension. How excited were you when you heard that he was coming to Miami, and what do you think he brings to your defense and that scheme specifically? I was, I was ecstatic, man. I, I, when I found out the news, I was in my room, uh, and it came over my Twitter I jumped up and down. I called my dad. I'm like, man, we got elite pass rusher Bradley Chubb. He's like, what? So, you know, hearing that news was 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 elite. Uh, you know, him him being here, he's a great person, great energy um, off the jump. Like he's you know he's dabbing up guys before plays. You know, excited, loud, vocal. Uh, the type of guy that fits in our system. The type of guy that you know uh, you know everybody tries to be. Um, so I'm excited to have him. He brings a, a great dynamic to our defense, and you know he's going to help us tremendously. All right, so you said you called your dad. I'm going to ask you about your pop in a minute, but he also, Chubb, he brings the team another big personality, but it seems to me like you've got a head coach who lets guys be themselves and embrace that swagger. I'm on record as saying I, I love your head coach, Mike McDaniel. What's he like to play for and to be around at the facility? He's exciting to play for. You know, he, you, know you, you always know that he's going to have your back, 
and support you regardless if you mess up or not. He knows that you know he's gonna you're gonna attack the next play because you don't want to let him down. And that's the mentality that our team has. That's why you see in the Lions game we approached the a sec, that second half the way we did because we knew that when we went in there and he telling us like hey he believes in us and that we can go out there and make plays and. Um, you know, he filled, the, he filled our team with that fire that we needed. So um, playing for him is awesome. And, you know, the ability to everybody just be themselves and, and you know, just play fast, play relaxed, it, it helps the team a lot. Sure. I think what you said is really important. Like you said, we don't want to let him down. It seems to me not every guy is in a situation where they want to win for their coach. Like you want to win for a lot of reasons, right? You want to win because you want to win or you want to win for the guy playing next to you. You don't always want to win specifically for the coach. Is that unusual, and how good does that feel? Like, I want to win for that guy, for the guy I'm playing for. Yeah, it's motivating. You know, it's motivating, and I think it, I think it is a unique situation, especially because guys, you know, sometimes don't experience that. But wanting to win for your coach and not let him down, it, you know, make sure it, it puts you in a place where you're always on your P's and Q's, always on your toes, always wanting them, you know, to make the play. Um, but, you know, technique and opportunity, when those two meet, you know, splash plays happen, and we always prepare properly, and we're always, you know, keen on technique, and then Coach McDaniels is, is heavy on that, make sure we're, you know, we're reading our keys, doing our technique. So um, that's where you see us out there, you know, splash plays, you know, come to us. But it's all about the, the culture that he's, you know, established in, our, in, the, in, the, in the building. When technique and opportunity meet, that's when splash plays happen. I like that. And then you've got some guys who can make it on both sides of the ball. I would imagine you personally get to deal with the likes of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle every single day in practice. This is not an original question, but are they the league's best one-two punch right now at wide receiver? And do you think it's possible for defenses to cover both those guys when they're both on the field at the same time? I mean, we're, we're, we have trouble in practice covering those guys. So I know everybody else, and we see them every day, and we study them. Those guys are, are the most dynamic one-two punch that I've seen. Um, their speed alone is, is – you can only describe it as different or surreal. I mean, it's seeing it in live speed, it's, uh, it fascinates me day in and day out, for, definitely. So uh, having those guys on our team makes me feel a lot better. So, what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of high lie, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. High lie is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighLightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. John, you don't sound like, and you don't look like, and you don't play like a guy who's just in his second year. You're playing at an extremely high level. Do you feel like you're already one of the league's elite safeties? That's a great question. Uh, I would, I would like to. I carry myself as such, um, and I feel like that reflects in my game. Um, you know, I won't, I won't let my, I won't call myself, you know, elite or, or whatnot. I just know that uh, I want to have my team win, and I'll do it in any way, fashion, uh, any way, any way possible. So. Um, you know, if it looks as, if it looks that way, then you know, then it is that way because I'm I'm preparing that way and I'm practicing that way and I'm you know, 
preparing myself, my body, my mind um, to go out there and, and, and make a difference on the field. Yeah, I, I think it looks that way, and I think it sounds that way. Like, where did that come from? You're preparing yourself, your mind, and your body. When did you first start thinking like that? When did that first become a part of your mindset or your actual mindset? Uh, at a at a very young age. I know I mentioned my, my dad earlier, but uh, my dad's training my whole life. He's a personal trainer, ex-pro. Uh, and so when I was in seventh grade, that that's basically where that mindset started. He told me that, you know, he didn't really have the energy to, to push me along. It was either I'm going to do it myself or or it's not going to get done. Um, you know, he'll be there to help me, but if if, if the energy doesn't come from me, then it won't get done. So um, that's kind of where that started, and it kind of evolved into a more mature uh, mindset as the years have gone on and the more I've played. Um, so, yeah, man, that's, that's basically where that started at. I think that's fascinating. I say the same thing to my son. He plays high school baseball. I'm like, dude, if you don't want it for you, I'm not putting in the time because I don't have the energy. Like, why Why would I want it for you if you don't want it for you? So you better want it for you if you want it. And if you don't, that's fine. But I don't have the energy either. The difference is your dad played pro ball. Like, you were born in British Columbia. Your father yep. won a gray cup with the Edmonton Eskimos. Your family moves to Northern California. You go to Bishop O'Dowd in Oakland. So I know you rep the Bay Area. How proud of, of you are you of your Canadian roots? Because we do have stations and listeners in Canada too. Yeah, I am. I'm very proud of my Canadian roots. I, I really am. I feel like as a kid uh, in Canada when I was watching the pros, you know, I, I had idols and whatnot that that played in the league, but I didn't have you know Canadian idols like that. When I seen Canadian players, you know, I looked at my dad or looked at G. Roy Simon, uh, uh, players like that, uh, Damon Allen. But um, you know, being one of those guys now for kids in, in Canada and. And they're seeing me in the league and seeing me play. You know, it means a lot, especially like when we went and played uh, Detroit. I had a couple of people in the in the stands that were from from Canada, and they're you know they they came to me with flags and whatnot. So it feels good to be that you know that symbol of of uh, of, of hope or the idol for those kids that you know want to reach the NFL because it is it is um, retainable and it, you can you can get there. So um, you know, it feels good. I think that's cool. Last stop before you go, with so many guys in your locker room from the SEC and the Big Ten. How hard are you backing your alma mater, Oregon? The Ducks are up to number eight in the first college football rankings, football playoff rankings, I should say, and they are playing some ball now. After that loss to Georgia, they are playing ball. How pumped are you for your alma mater? I am very pumped, man. I am backing them 100%. Check the numbers. Bo Nix for Heisman. I'm putting it out right now. Bo Nix for the Heisman. You heard it here first on the Jim Rome Show. I'm backing them 100%. People try to tell me that the Pac-12 is weak, the Pac-12 is this. I don't want to hear none of that. You see how, to, how we're playing. We lost to Georgia, of course. Georgia is a great football team. They're the number one team. Previously, they were the number one team. But, man, look, we're playing, we're playing some great ball. They need to respect us. Respect the Ducks, man. That's what it is. Preach, dude. That is what it is. Hey, I, not only that, you'll like this. I had Dan Lanning on the show recently. Could not have been more impressed with him or the job that he's doing. What are your thoughts on him and the impact he's having in Eugene? And, by the way, they look like they're having so much fun playing for him, too. Yeah, they, I, I mad respect to Coach Landon. He's he's definitely changed the dynamic of that culture. Uh, a friend of mine is still on the team. And he tells me that he loves playing for him. He he has the the most fun out there. Uh, just you know, they, he lets them be themselves. A lot like Coach McDaniel, you know, he lets the kids just go out there, ball, just be them, and and have fun while doing it because that's when you play your best, when you're relaxed and you're comfortable. So, uh, shout out to Coach Landon. I'll be there in two weeks for the Utah game. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. We're going to walk off on that. Miami's 5-3. and three. They're second in the AFC East. They've got a big one at Chicago on Sunday. Javon Holland, my guest. My man, I knew I needed some of that Friday energy from you, and I knew that you would show up and show out and give it to us. Javon, really appreciate you. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, of course, man. Great. Glad, glad to be here. All right, so... 
I have used antiperspirant sticks for years, but what is amazing about Dove Men Dry Spray is that it feels light and clean on your skin, and it's also quick and easy to use, and it's great for topping up when you're on the go. Now, let me ask you this. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48, I said 48, 48 hours sweat and odor protection. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it is so quick and easy to use, especially when you're on the go. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect it. Win, win, win. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel all day. So the part-time player is going to be part-time once again. Well, technically, for at least the next five games. Kyrie Irving is going to be a no-time player because the Nets finally, finally got around to doing the obvious thing, the right thing, and suspending Kyrie. Finally but only after he had the opportunity and opportunity, opportunity after opportunity to denounce the vile, hateful, ignorant garbage that he posted to four and a half million followers on Twitter. And by vile and hateful and ignorant, I mean a documentary, quote unquote, a documentary featuring some disgusting anti-Semitic tropes and outright lies including the assertion that the Holocaust never actually happened. So before you try to bend over backwards to defend this clown, because I know many of you will, remember that last point. We're talking about content promoting this notion that the Holocaust did not happen, which is an idea that has absolutely no place in any conversation ever. There is no what about. There is no finger to point at anybody else. Kyrie was not speaking truth to power. He was pushing heinous, ignorant, dangerous bullcrap. Kyrie Irving is one of the faces of the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA, and he voluntarily posted content that is absolutely and categorically unacceptable to promote in any form at any time. And no, this is not a matter of legality. All right? That's not what this is about. And the thing is, the Nets and the association were more than ready and in fact did sit on their hands and not do a damn thing about it. They let him play. Brooklyn even chucked Steve Nash into the wood chipper and then hired the Celtics' suspended and disgraced head coach to try to somehow distract from the situation to get everybody to look the other way. But when push came to shove, this entire situation boiled down to one exchange yesterday. Like, they hid Kyrie from the press. They shielded Kyrie from the press. He didn't have to deal with the press after he did that 
and by the way, left that tweet up. Yesterday, he finally got before the press and was asked point blank a very simple question, a yes or no question, a very simple question posed by reporters. Do you have any anti-Semitic beliefs? And incredibly, this guy did not answer no. You have any anti-Semitic beliefs? Again, I'm going to repeat. I don't know how the label becomes justified because you guys ask me the same questions over and over again. But this is not going to turn into a spin-around cycle of questions upon questions. I told you guys how I felt. I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I think what people want to hear, though, is yes or no on that question. Yes or no. I I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. The hell does that even mean? Did you give me some blue cheese with that word salad? That was a yes or no question. And after that, as disastrously as that went, then and only then, after the worst non-answer ever, did Nets owner Joe Tsai finally get off his ass and suspend Kyrie while issuing the following statement, quote, we were dismayed today when given an opportunity in a media session that Kyrie refused to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs nor acknowledge specific hateful material in the film. This was not the first time he had the opportunity, but failed to clarify. Such failure to disavow anti-Semitism when given a clear opportunity to do so is deeply disturbing, is against the values of our organization, and constitutes conduct detrimental to the team. Accordingly, we are of the view that he is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. We have decided that Kyrie will serve a suspension without pay until he satisfies a series of objective remedial measures that address the harmful impact of his conduct and the suspension period served as no less than five games. End quote. So, ordinarily, I would credit the Nets for saying everything that needed to be said. But I can't. Because it all comes way too late. Way too late. Where the hell has that been all week long? How the hell was that not the team's immediate response the second he was given a chance to apologize and didn't? How the hell was that not their response right away? How the hell was that not the league's response right away? Well, I mean, I know why that was not the team's immediate response. The team had an immediate response, just not that. The team's immediate response was to hire a disgraced coach who was suspended by the Celtics for a year in an attempt to get us to look away from their disgraced player who was tweeting and propagating hate. Ladies and gentlemen, your Brooklyn Nets, if you need them. How do we, they're sitting around thinking, how do we get people to stop talking about that hate monger Kyrie? 
since we know he's not going to apologize for propagating that hate. We know he's not apologizing. We know he's not walking that back. So what do we do? What do we do? Because you know what we're about? We're about winning games. We're about finding a way to get people to watch us. That's what we're about. We're not about what's ethically right. We're not about what's morally right. Man, we're about the bottom line. We need this guy. So how do we fix this? Because we know he's not going to apologize. Oh, wait. Here's what we do. I know. I know. Here's how we get the heat off of him. Let's hire the coach who led his team to the finals but did something so deplorable in the workplace that his team suspended him for a year and essentially let him walk away for nothing. Let's hire that guy. Two reasons. One, it's on brand. That's who we are. We're the Nets. That's what we do. Number two, that heat, the heat that we get for hiring that guy won't be as bad as the Kyrie heat. And maybe people will focus on that and not the anti-Semitic bullcrap that Kyrie is propagating. And you can see these idiots. And, oh, and by the way, he's a damn good coach. This could save our season. You could see these idiots in the Nets organization saying, I like it. I like it. A little misdirection. Good idea. Good idea. Great idea. Yeah, or one of the worst ideas ever by one of the worst franchises ever. Zero points for waiting until this situation past the point of no return to finally do the right thing. Because you already showed your asses, Brooklyn. You already showed that the standard is you have no standard. And now you can't put any of that hateful toothpaste back into the tube. And this five-game suspension is way too little, way too late, and so is Kyrie's apology, which he clearly did not mean. Listen to this Instagram post and tell me if this sounds like anything that this dude who's been babbling on about really actually means. This is what Kyrie finally, finally got around to after he got suspended. This is what he posted. He didn't say it into a camera. He didn't say it in front of microphones with the media. This is what he posted. Quote, to all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and affected from my post, I am deeply sorry to have caused you pain, and I apologize. I initially reacted out of emotion to being unjustly labeled anti-Semitic instead of focusing on the healing process of my Jewish brothers and sisters that were hurt from the hateful remarks made in the documentary. I want to clarify any confusion on where I stand fighting against anti-Semitism by apologizing for posting the documentary without context and a factual explanation outlining the specific beliefs in the documentary I agreed with and disagreed with. I had no intentions to disrespect any Jewish cultural history regarding the Holocaust or perpetuate any hate. I am learning from this unfortunate event, and I hope we can find understanding between us all. End of quote. All right, so problem number one with that apology. It sounds nothing like Kyrie. Problem number two. Until I actually see it and hear it live from this guy's mouth, I don't believe it. And even though I'm not buying it, 
I'll tell you why I'm not buying it. Because he had so many opportunities to apologize for it and didn't do so. And so he absolutely had to and got suspended. I think we really know what's in this guy's head and heart from the way he handled it when it went down. So he's not sorry. He's not sorry for anything he said or did because he's never sorry for anything he says or does. He's not sorry because he had all sorts of opportunities to apologize and delete the tweet, but didn't. In fact, in fact, he repeatedly defended posting that anti-Semitic video before finally getting around to apologizing and only got around to apologizing after he'd been suspended. Oh, and one more thing. One last thing. Scratching a $500,000 check was not going to make this thing right or make this thing go away. I mean, that's how bad of a dude he is. He was happier to write a check than having to actually apologize for peddling that hate. Like, hell no, I'm not going to apologize for that. Why would I apologize for that? I just tweeted the link. I didn't make that film. Here's some money. We good? Here's some money. We good? Bottom line, putting out that the earth is flat is stupid, but saying that the Holocaust never happened is abhorrent and dangerous as hell. It really did happen, Kyrie and Kyrie supporters. Six million people really were killed, murdered, Kyrie. Fact. But apparently not to him. So that that saying that that didn't happen, implying that that didn't happen, doesn't make you a dumb guy. It makes you a bad guy. And peddling that out to millions and millions of your followers is really dangerous. And surely now he has a lot more more new followers too. And this dude is actually VP of the NBA Players Association? Yeah, so me, no. I don't accept that apology because I don't think he's sorry at all. Not sorry for what he said. Not sorry for what he did. But sorry that he's in this position. And the NBA's not any better in the way they handled it. Bad stuff. And even worse, I know a lot of you agree with him. A lot of you stand with him. A lot of you agree with him. And I'll never understand that. Ever. Ever. There's being ignorant, and there's being ignorant and dangerous. Saying the earth is flat is one thing. Saying the Holocaust never happened is something totally different. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. Could not have handled that any worse. The player, the team, the league, and everybody else who's got nothing to say about it now. Where are you all now? Christian Fulton is my guest. Christian, good to have you on the show. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Good, dude, good. Listen, I know that it's always about the next game. I know it's always about the team, but I mentioned you had a pick last week. It was your first pick of the season. Can you take me back? What did you see on that play? And given all the work you put in during the week, how good did it feel to make that play? Yeah, uh, man, I felt great, you know, just to get that first one. You know, uh, you wait so long. I waited so long for it. And, you know, it was good to happen. You know, hopefully they start coming in bunches now that I got my first one. Beat me to it, dude. I was going to say, do they come in bunches? Yeah, they start coming in bunches once you get that first one. I'm telling you. How do you approach it? Like, when you're back out there, can you say to yourself, I got to make a play, I got to make a play. They need me to make a play. Or if you try to force the issue, does it not come? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I try not to uh, force the issue. You know, I try to play within the defense. 
I've, you know, whenever I go into the field, you know, my mindset is, you know, I, I got to make a play, you know, no matter what, because, uh, you know, being one of the, uh, you know, older corners, you know, the top corner on the team, uh, I know I'm going to probably end up being on one of their top guys, you know, eventually. So I know that the ball is going to come my way. So that's that's always the mindset every time I go on the field. But, you know, you try not to force it. You know, you play within the uh, defense. I get that. Christian Fulton joining us. So when you play within the defense and you talk about mindset, it makes me think about your head coach. Like the league is so focused on offense these days. Not every head coach, obviously, has that great defensive background. Even fewer were an all-pro linebacker like your guy Mike Vrabel. I love, I love Vrabel. I loved him as a player. I love the guy as a coach and a dude. What, what's his intensity and mindset like? And does that set the tone, obviously, for the entire team? How so? Yeah, uh, he definitely, you know, sets the uh, mindset for for the team. You know, like he's a guy that plays, so he understands what we're going through and, you know, how to build us up through the week, you know, as we prepare. And then come game day, you know, he kind of lets it loose, for, let us let it loose. And, um, you know, he gets us fired up, you know, however he can. But, um, you know, he does a great job just, you know, trying to uh, prepare us, you know, uh, on the defensive side, you know, and also offense and special teams. That's the great thing about, you know, having him as a head coach. You know, he's played. So he uh, he kind of has an input, you know, on all phases of the game. Like he knows, not only has he played, but he's played at a really high level. He's won at a really yeah. high level. I would imagine yeah. there's a lot of credibility in that locker room. You know, what you said is interesting. Like we have to rebuild ourselves every single week. I don't know if there's an easy answer to this question, but what's the week like? Like when you lay it all out there on Sunday and you pay that price on Sunday, what's the process of rebuilding yourself through the week? Like is Monday nothing at all? Tuesday's the off day. What's that process like week to week? Um, you know, it, it just varies, uh, you know, whether we're playing, you know, whether Monday, Sunday, or Thursday. But uh, say if we have a Sunday game, you know, it's kind of, you know, a recoup on um, Monday. And um, Tuesday we'll come in, you know, lift, uh, get our get our body back under us, you know. And then Wednesday we'll be in the building, we're back preparing for the next team, whoever we play. And then it just kind of builds up throughout the week, you know. Um, Thursday we're just working on different phases of the game each day. You didn't, yeah, I get that. That's it's got to be so involved. That that whole Thursday thing, like it's not that you have a choice, but is the Thursday thing that short turnaround? I don't even. I've never understood how you guys do that. But <laughs> is it worth it because there's a payoff on the back end by more time? Or if it were up to you, would you not want that back end payoff and just never do that Thursday thing because it's such a big ask? Uh. I'm sure once I get older, I'll be I'll be leaning towards you know cutting out the Thursday games. But you know I'm still young right now, so I mean I'll be having you know a quick turnaround for me as far as physically and mentally. You know you just gotta uh, take what you can from the meetings. You know as we prepare, you know for a short week and just go out and let it loose and play. Uh, Cause that team too also probably played that Sunday, so we're all probably going through it uh, physically and you know trying to take as much as we can. You know to build through the week, but. Um, I mean, I think it's cool, you know, to have that Thursday night game so far. You know, uh, you know, your prime time still. So um, I, I like Thursday games. Yeah, yeah, actually, I like that. I respect that. If, if physically and mentally you can deal with that, the good thing about Thursday is your prime time and everybody's yeah. watching. Like everybody, mm-hmm. your peers are watching, the nation's watching. That's a good thing if you're right physically and mentally. Now you're you're used to all eyes being on you. You had a great career at LSU. You won the Natty. You ultimately get to the NFL. You're playing at a high level. But how much more did that college experience mean to you, considering you're from New Orleans and you got to experience all of that at home and in state? 
Yeah, it, it means a lot because uh, a lot of people uh, might stay home, you know, and play for their home state. But like you said, not a lot of people get to win the national championship for their home state. So it, it meant a lot, you know, and the experience was great. Um, you know, through that last year, you know, I, I got to meet some great guys, some great talents, you know, that came through that school and gave me, you know, the tools that coached me to have the tools to play today and played with some guys, you know, that gave me some tools that's playing in the league today. So it was, it was an all-around great experience for me, you know, and uh, there's no better way, you know, to end it with a natty. All right, so before I let you go, take me back. What was the vibe and the experience and the atmosphere like in those night games, the night games at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge? <laughs> Man, you got chills all pregame because they, they ready to go, the fans. They ready to go. They been lit all day. You know, they start tailgating probably at 7 o'clock in the morning. And when, by the time it's like 6.30, you know, they they rowdy. You know, they ready to go. Uh, the energy is there. So it don't take much to get going, you know, as a player when you you just ready to let it go come 7 o'clock. And um, I don't think there's no better experience in college football than, you know, Death Valley uh, in Baton Rouge. Dude, I bet, so, uh, like, for, I was going to say, dude, I bet. I bet there's nothing like that. Yeah, and then yeah, and then yeah. this Sunday, though, this Sunday night, you get something like that. But in reverse, mm-hmm. when you take on the Chiefs, you're on the other side in Kansas City. That's a loud, yeah. hostile environment. We know how challenging yeah. that environment can be for the opposing offense. I'm curious, as a defensive player, how tough is it to communicate with one another when you're in an environment like that? Um, so, you know, uh, it was easy, actually, you know, with us being on the road. Um, you know, they won't have too much noise going on. So it's very easy, you know, once you're going on the road. Um, but I don't know, for offense, it can be, you know, tough um, going into that uh, environment. Uh, I've been hearing all week, you know, like, yeah, this environment is definitely, you know, one of the top experiences, you know, in NFL as far as, you know, the environments and, you know, just a, like it's kind of like a college uh, environment I'm hearing, you know. So um, I'm excited to see. I didn't play against Buffalo when we had the Monday night, and they said that was a crazy experience, you know. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm sure I'm going to get a college feel, you know, just being, you know, a night game, uh, prime time. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think you're right, dude. I think you're right. I think both those situations, both those environments are the equivalent or similar to college. Last thought. So Mm -hmm. I would imagine there are very few teams tougher to prepare for than Kansas City because you're dealing with, obviously, Patrick Mahomes and all the weapons he has. From your role on the corner, what are the defensive priorities for your secondary to try to slow them down? Mm. Um, You know, just, you know, try to keep everything, you know, in front. Because uh, obviously they like big plays, they like explosive plays. They have many weapons, you know, that they can go down the field with. And uh, you know, you got a plaster because you know Patrick Mahomes. He's a guy, you know, that moves around a lot in the pocket. He likes to extend plays. So we just got to make sure, you know, we keep everything in front of us and um, keep our eyes on our man. You know, we got to let the front seven handle what he does in the pocket, and we can't try to make save no plays. You know, we just got to make sure that we're on our guys and. Um, like I said, they have so many weapons. Everybody has to do their part, make sure we communicate, you know, make sure we're all on the same page. I appreciate that. 61st pick overall back in 2020. He's got that natty. He's having a good year. Tennessee Titans cornerback Christian Fulton joining us before a big game on Sunday night. Christian, really appreciate you, and I appreciate that conversation. Thanks so much for that. Mm-hmm. Yep, appreciate you having me. Thank yes, you. sir. Here's the body of 
What's cracking? Welcome to the program. So what's so funny? <laughs> what am I laughing at already? The pep talk I got from Rich. Uh-oh. Look who's on the board. I want to kick off our weekly whip around by wishing everybody a very happy Halloween. Why don't we start with yesterday's best game, the Falcons and the Panthers. Yeah! Airs it deep downfield for DJ Moore. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. He caught the ball. There's a, is that a flag? You cannot be serious. I get that that guy cannot let himself get caught up in that moment. But pretty much all of us know that that is one of the dumbest rules ever. War DA and his mammoth mouth dressing up as a pelican with that huge gullet and storing a bunch of fish in it. Outro. Starts the second. Twiddle. Have you heard there's a World Series game tonight? Maybe if baseball played football, there'd be some action. Kyle Hamilton is my guest. I think I took it to the ground and got credit for the sack. But Gino got up celebrating really hard. In my mind, I'm like, I think I helped out on that a little bit. Maybe Jimbo has a Joker outfit for me. Aside from the fat paycheck, why would Lane Kiffin make that lateral move? Hey, Rex, I can answer that. The fat paycheck. Don't include the $100 million. Stupid call. Aside from winning the Powerball. What's so good about winning the Powerball? You hit the lottery with a bunch of Reese's penis, peanut butter. I know. Hey, Rome. Plain M&M's or penis M&M's. Reese's penis butter cups. Had your fun. We're not doing this. Creamy penis butter, butter or extra crunchy. Penis butter. Jonathan Smith is my guest. Hey, by the way, TJ is a guy that I always liked who badly stiffed me on my podcast recently. <laughs> and it doesn't shock me that TJ would ghost you on the podcast. <laughs> Hoskins got with your girlfriend in high school twice. I need to meet that guy. I want to be friends with that guy. My grandma could have rocked that And before you tell me, hey, Rome, they're all like that. No, they're not. No, they're not. That dude's a legend. How much sticky stuff is in that hair? I know there's something in that lettuce. We're Philly. We're train that you don't make. Hey, Russ, we've got enough horse crap of our own. We don't need your Bronco crap. Woke up from my nap and turned to the right and seen it on ESPN. Would you be willing to listen to Yoko for 24 hours straight on a loop if it meant never having to talk about the Nets ever again? I'd take that deal in a second. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. That's it. Turn it up. Vincent Goodwill. One time have you actually heard Kyrie Irving take accountability, even from the PA. And this guy is a vice president. So tell me, Jim Rome, how am I supposed to feel about this guy having a seat at the table to one of the biggest collective bargaining discussions? A uh, sports hernia. Just wearing tear on my groin. I had a double hernia. Dude, I, I could not get out of bed. That, it, it, is no, it is no joke. Chastain, take a look at what he did. I have never Ross Chastain is my guest. Just get against the wall early and try to run around the outside. And hitting the wall, I realized I was not slowing down and that it might work. And then saw the... 11 car doing we end up beating. And the Astros lead it three. I really don't give a It's cool. We'll be in the history books, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of sounds like he does give a bleep. It's over with. Forgotten about it. These guys are saying the right things. Don't tell me. Show me. Because that no-show made you and made me look horrible. Philly fans, we're sick of you. Sick of your crumbling city. Taron Johnson played your college ball at Weber State. I love that you're from Sacramento. Oh, my gosh. I rip them all the time. I mean, I'm always talking up my city, and I'm always talking up my school. My beef is with Trashy Trailer Park, who try to add class by calling themselves Paradise Estate. My beef is I got an actual death threat. We're joined my by Javon Holland. You, I got a beef How with pumped a are you for your alma mater? I am backing them 100%. Steak, Check the numbers. bacon, honey mustard. Ike to me first. is the greatest the restaurateur show. in America, not named Javier. Hold What's up. going on, Beeks? How are you? So here's my shot. You know what, Benny? You know who doesn't matter? Guess what? 
Wait. What? Beaks! He's gone! There's one thing that I want Beaks to know. Guess what, Beaks? Guess what? Hey, Beaks. Guess what? We are joined by Javon Holland. How pumped are you for your alma mater? I am very pumped, man. I am backing them 100%. Check the numbers. Bo Nix for Heisman. I'm putting it out right now. Bo Nix for the Heisman. You heard it here first on the Jim Rome Show. I don't hear who started. I finished it. It happened. Yeah, I don't need you to slow it down, Al. Smart man out. Just off the cuff. I don't have any paper in front of me. I don't want any of your Ray dead guy tweets. Ooh. Almost got you, 55. No, no good. Oh, my gosh. No, it's money. Go Ducks. Happy Sandwich Day, Ike. Good night now! Good night now!